Stop it. Stop what? You're talking about me and Morse code. But you know what? Joke's on you, because I know Morse code. A man got to have a code. Oh, and the underlying rights to the code in perpetuity throughout the universe. Sign there. Hey, it's Tony Maz of 98.5 The Sports Hub, and you are listening to the Morse Code Podcast. Code podcast episode 91. Now, ordinarily, this would be the Dennis Rodman episode, no? Something like that. I want to say that he may have been 97, but I could shut up. He was 91. But there is another 91, I'm pretty sure. Who? Who came up in this episode, unless he was 93. (laughs) Ron Artest. I know he had some random ass number. Dennis oh, Rodman sorry, was 91. Meta world peace. Yeah, Jesus. Dennis Rodman was 91, at least on the Bulls. Um, okay. Ron Artest, I think, was 90-something as well. <laughs> he had some weird numbers, bro. <laughs> but either way, none of that matters if you're still listening to us because – what number was Meta world peace? Oh, oh he, sorry. He yes, he was 91, but correction again on his name. He's no longer Sandiford. Meta World Peace. He's Meta Sandiford Artest. So Big Sandy. Watch your mouth. He's next had some you weird <laughs> names. Sorry about that, Ron. Yeah. Um, Mr. Peace. Um, we were joined today by another NBA legend who do you who you pointed out earlier was involved with Ron Artest. Was involved with a number of NBA teams, including the Celtics. Uh, we had Scott Pollard former NBA veteran or current NBA veteran, I guess, stopped by. Really cool conversation. Trying to think. Talked a lot. Talked about his time in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. Uh, People often forget he was part of that Cavs team as well that went to the finals in 07. Um, Indiana Pacers. He was literally on the court during Malice in the Palace. That was a lot of fun. Highly recommend listening to that. Yep. And then he came came home to Boston to win a ring, like most Mm -hmm. people do. Where he was meant to be. Where he was Kid, meant to be the entire time. All, from all Kansas roads, to Boston, a classic story. All, all roads lead to the TD Garden. Uh, but yeah, I say we get right into our conversation with Scott Pollard. This was really cool, man, to have another former player on. And I thought about this too. I think he's the third former player we've had on, right? Max Cooper and him. Nothing but champions on this show. That's true. Check your rings at the door. Yeah. So, Shaq, com- if you're listening... <laughs> You Jack, are welcome here. And I, I was going to also say, James Posey, if you're listening, you're, you're welcome to come on the show as well. Yeah. Um, how many commit? Cooper had five rings. I think Max had two or three, maybe just one. I think two. I think we'll call it be a conservative two, seven, eight. It's combined eight rings on this show. Not bad. Not, not, not even including ours. Bad at all. Those don't count. You never count the host rings. That's just oh. podcast courtesy. Um, because you were in that intramural cribbage league for a long time. I was a 17 time defending champion, the intramural cribbage league, (laughs) five time depoy, uh, six man of the year in 04. 
and then Silver Slugger in 11 and 12. I was going to say, you somehow... Humble won, brag, but whatever. You somehow won the uh, Gold Glove and Con Smythe in the same year, which hasn't been done in <laughs> a since. long time. Ever. Nope, hasn't been done since or ever. But here we go. Let's get right into it. This is our conversation with Scott Pollard again. Happy to have him on, new friend of the program. Um, here we go. Me and Dan are here with a very special guest. I was going to introduce him... Um, by calling out some of the teams he's played for, but he's he's decked out in his Kansas Jayhawks gear. So we'll 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 leave it at Kansas Jayhawk plus um, NBA player uh, Scott Pollard. How we doing, Scott? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. good. Man. Just uh, just living. I guess we'll get right into it. Um, I think so. With us being from Boston, um, uh, like I remember the early days. You got drafted by. The Kings, right? No, I got drafted by the Pistons, 19th pick in the first round in uh, 97. Okay. And then how long were you with the Pistons before you went to the Kings? I was there for one year, and then there was a lockout, and then the lockout mm-hmm. ended uh, in February of 99 or thereabouts. And I got traded as soon as the lockout ended from Detroit to Atlanta. Uh, never suited up for Atlanta. They just wanted rid of Christian Leitner's contract. Mm. And they didn't really want me. Didn't seemed. we all? And so they uh, they they gave me an option on on the first game day that, that I could be a guinea pig and see if they could fight the NBA's re- injury reserve rule. Which at the time you had to have an injury to be on the reserve list to carry 15 players. You could have three on the reserve list, 12 active, and that's it. And they wanted to change that, uh, or they could cut me. And I was like, I'm not going to be a guinea pig. You can cut me. I got two years left on this deal. Mm. If nobody wants me, I already bought a house in Lawrence, Kansas. I was going to finish my master's and become a school teacher. So I wasn't that, uh, that's how close I was to not being in the NBA anymore. Yeah. Uh, wow. Agent called me and, and said, there's four teams that want to sign you. And one of them was the Kings. And that's where I signed up with. It seemed like the best opportunity for me. And, uh, I was right. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> yeah, say so. I'd I think, say so. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I feel like that's where, like the NBA really got to know Scott Pollard or uh, especially once you guys started getting far in the playoffs and stuff. One of the things I wanted to ask you is I, I would consider you a pretty hard nosed, like tough, gritty player. Mm-hmm. If you were in the NBA today, who do you think would be the most, I was going to say tough and hard nosed, but who do you think would be the most annoying player to play against? Like a thorn in your side type guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not that familiar with the NBA right now. I don't watch it a whole lot. Um, but I know that a lot of people say that I, uh, Stephen Adams looks a lot like me and plays a lot like me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that'd be fair on both ends. So uh, he's definitely not my son. But uh, mm. we um, we have a mutual teammate or friend anyway. I never played with t- Nick Collison, but Nick Collison is the reason, or I'm the reason he went to Kansas. So Nick and I are very close. And he said Stephen Adams is a guy that, a lot like you, and I, I, I would, I bet if you asked other players uh, about me, they would probably say I was the annoying guy to play against because I always was mm-hmm. trying to slow people down, frustrate them, uh, you know, hit them when they need to be hit, so on and so forth. So uh, if if Stephen plays like that, then probably Stephen Adams. That's I think I, that's fair, and and it it is it is rare nowadays, man. I mean, I know you mentioned you don't keep too much with the current league. It's I'm sure you've heard this before, but it is different. There aren't that many comparisons, I think, to how it was, especially back, not only you specifically, but guys you played with, played against. 
it's obviously a different league now, but I, I think Steven Adams is fair and I'd be hard to, it'd be hard to find like it, more than five players who I think are even comparable right now, but, but going back, I, I'd like to pick your brain a little bit, going back to those, your early years with the Kings. I mean, you were involved in those Lakers series. That was really when I started really getting into basketball, at least like non Celtics basketball any any good stories or any 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 recollection worth mentioning on those those Lakers series playing against guys like Shaq and Kobe in their prime and and some of those higher profile games? Uh, well, I thought it was funny when people started calling me the Shaq stopper because yeah. <laughs> I, I played against prime Shaq and nobody stopped. Yep. But yep. Uh, slowing him down was something I, I did my best and tried uh, to do well at. Um, but uh, those those series became a rivalry because of the familiarity, like any rivalry. Yeah. You play somebody once, you don't really know them that well, and it goes on, you know, game's over. Uh, but those rivalries exist because of familiarity and, and playing them in Vegas in the preseason four times in the regular season, then the playoffs a couple years in a row, uh, you get to know them. And so uh, I don't have any unique stories, uh, you know, that, that I would tell that go behind the scenes. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> this yeah. is kind of podcast, but um, <laughs> or at least mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell that story. Um, Fair. Uh, you know, it was just, it was a fun, it, it's always fun to have a rivalry uh, because uh, it makes that grind of an NBA schedule more exciting when you can look forward to a game against the Lakers when the, whatever, the, the team of the time that sucks. Like in our day, the Warriors were a guaranteed win for us. So it wasn't mm-hmm. much of a deal to play against the Golden State Warriors, but it was, you know, you always wanted to make sure you had your A game going for the Lakers. So uh, in an 82 game season, uh, it's nice to have rivalries and keep you going and yeah. get you excited. Uh, not that you want to look past a team like the Warriors or, you know, whatever, whoever the bad teams are at the time, <clears throat> but mm-hmm. it's certainly nice to be able to get excited about the, the, the better teams that you're more familiar with. Yeah, for sure. Stars, I figured I'd ask you this. So we looked this up, I think around that time, this is just what's listed. I think Shaq was listed at three thirty, <laughs> is what they said online. Yeah. Does that hold weight? No pun intended. Does that sound about right? Okay. <laughs> uh, my, my dad died uh, when I was in high school, but he was 380 when he died. So I know what 380 feels like. And yeah. I would say Shaq was right there. Uh, okay. Shaq's a little taller than my dad was, but um, Shaq, Shaq was pushing 380. And I used to joke with him about it. I was like, 330? Damn. Come on. And he would just be like, oh, come on. That's what it says in the program. Like, yeah, you can't read. You know, we would just go back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing bad, just fun, back and forth. Cause I didn't want him swinging at me and I didn't want to swing at him. Sure. I had too much respect for him. I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. Uh, it's a game after all, mm. uh, not to say I didn't get pissed and want to punch people on occasion, but at the same time I worked my ass off for all that money I made and I don't want to give it away yeah. just for an NBA fight, you know, hold yeah. me back, hold me back. Nobody gets any real damage <laughs> and you spend $50,000 yeah. or, or more, you know, uh, in, in fines. So uh, yeah. I never understood that. Uh, and that's why I never gotten involved in those fights. Yeah, gotcha. So you, so you're saying he was comfortably more than three thirty? Oh, way more. Okay. Jesus Christ. And yeah, he was low. Um, you know, but the the thing about it is, he was so athletic though that he didn't feel. You know, he didn't lean on you like Yao would lean on you. Yeah. Yao would come okay. down and you'd hit Yao at the three point line to try to stop him from getting to where he wanted to go and hopefully get him six inches to a foot outside of where you wanted him to be, which wasn't yep. always successful. But you hit him hard at the three-point line, try to slow him down. But Yao would just lean on you. And that was a different weight. He wasn't as he wasn't 380, but he was 300-something. And yeah, sure. just lean on you and kind of go where he wanted to go. So 
Um, you know, Shaq's, Shaq's athleticism made it so 330 might have been plausible. Because he could spin <laughs> and they'd catch that dunk if you tried to play him, you know, too high or deny the ball. You know, you just spin and take the dunk behind you from the right block. So <clears throat> you just uh, you had to play play Shaq on us because of his athleticism. You couldn't just let him use his weight to bully you. Yeah. Did fair. you play with um, Mike Miller when you were in, in Indiana, Scott, or no? No, we never crossed paths as teammates. No. Okay. The reason I ask is I was just going to say you didn't want to get the Mike Miller treatment, which do you remember that play when he played for the Bulls and Shaq actually like – took an unimpeded swing at Mike Miller's head. Oh, you're thinking uh, Brad Miller. Same yeah, story. Brad Miller. Brad oh, Miller. sorry. Brad Miller. Sorry, yes. Yeah, Brad Miller and I actually got traded for each other. Uh, he was mm. with the Kings, or he was with the Pacers, and I was with the Kings. We were part of that three-team deal. And so, same thing. We played against each other in college and all the NBA, but we never played with each other. But, yeah, I remember that one, and, and uh, that's a death blow. And yeah. that connects. <laughs> I mean, I'm not joking. I'm three. Yeah. People don't, you know, people think, oh, there's weight classes in boxing and wrestling and all that, just so it's fair. It's also because heavyweight boxing matches, you see 200-pound men getting really tired really fast. Yeah. They're only 200-pound men. And you think about 300-pound men and the force behind a punch. And if you ever, I don't know if you guys are old enough to watch Rocky IV, but it's kind of like Drago. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever he hits, he destroys. Yes. Shaq. <laughs> pulls back and goes full, like you said, unimpeded and, and connects, someone might die. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like the fucking Hulk fist, like when the one that you buy at the store for a little kid, uh, yeah. but just that actually came from a human mm-hmm. and yeah, Brad Miller is so lucky. I feel like he didn't even realize it until probably like when he got in the locker room or something, I assume mm-hmm. someone was like, Hey, do you know that you were that close? That's to a near death experience. <laughs> <laughs> um. I was going to say uh, basketball reference has you listed. So I don't know if you, if you've ever checked out the site, but they have everyone's nick, nicknames, alleged nicknames listed. They've got you on there as Samurai Scott. Is that oh, accurate? Does that come that, from somewhere? That was from Sacramento when I had longer hair and I put my hair up in a ponytail. I had a top yes. knot and uh, they just, the fans started calling me Samurai Scott. My sister made t-shirts and, started selling them and then they, they banned her from the NBA store because it wasn't official NBA licensed material. But um, so mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, but the Samurai Scott was uh, one of my nicknames just because I was out there slicing the dice. And the, the <laughs> Natural. I was going to yeah. say, I, that's a good nickname, but I was wondering, I was like, hmm, I wonder if uh, Scott had like a better nickname for himself. <laughs> Who do you, if you were playing in the, in the game today, do you think you'd wear your hair that way? Cause I feel like there's some crazy shit going on in the league right now. Uh, it was always spur of the moment for me. I mean, it, t- it takes a while to grow your hair out. Uh, so I couldn't just plan sure. that uh, overnight. Like, Hey, I'm going to have long hair today. But, um, you know, it, it, a lot of it depended on my mood and it was anything to distract the opposing team, uh, from basketball. Uh, you know, <laughs> if, if I've got a guy thinking about the, the other guy's stupid hair or stupid chin, little, uh, weaves in his beard hair, great they're not thinking about trying to score so um but it wasn't that wasn't the impetus of why i did my hair like that but if that's one of the side effects great but i always just did it on a whim uh it wasn't to gain attention it was just because that's how i was i always figured if i cut it off or grow it out or bleach it or whatever it's going to grow back so um and i I, my hair grew fast back then doesn't grow anymore you can tell but um 
I just had fun with it. Um, but today, if I played in the NBA today, I'd probably have shorter hair because I'd be running three point line to three point line. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You wouldn't be uh, you you wouldn't be jamming uh, Shaq down on the low block anymore these days. I'd just yeah. be running three point line to three point line. I'd be I would last a lot longer in this league. I'm not knocking this league at all. It's just yeah, yeah. Different. And uh, without all the pounding that I took from Shaq and Ewing and Barkley and yep. uh, Akeem Olajuwon and Tim Duncan and David Robinson and Carl Malone, I mean the list goes on. I played again. I told you about Yao. Yeah. I played against my childhood heroes and probably some of the greatest big men that have ever played in the game. All those guys I listed are probably Hall of Famers. Yeah. So, you know, I took a lot of beatings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get 11 years out of this body uh, in, in that league at that time, I think, was a miracle. So uh, if I played in this league right now, shit, 20 years wouldn't be out of the question just because the, the, the physicality is different. I'm not, again, I'm not knocking this era. I'm just right. saying it's different than it was. There's a lot less physicality. There's a lot more uh, freedom for offensive players to, to make plays. It's exciting basketball. Again, not knocking it. It's just, it's just different. It's different. Yeah. No, I don't think there's an argument there. Speaking of Hall of Fame players, maybe future Hall of Fame players, uh, I'd like to transition into this part of your career. You were also part of uh, that Cavs team that went to the finals as well, right? Playing yeah. with, uh, with a young LeBron. Yeah. What was it like when, um, when LeBron for, first came in the league, when you, when you had a chance to play alongside him? And, and what was that season like? You know, everyone kind of talks about, you know, obviously no offense to anyone involved, but that's notoriously the conversations. Hey, LeBron led this team to the finals, you know, without any real super superstars. What was that year like? What was, what was it like going to the finals playing with a guy like LeBron? Without taking anything away from LeBron, yep. uh, Kevin Garnett didn't go to the NBA Finals with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yep. Uh, Paul Pierce didn't go to the NBA Finals with the Celtics until the Big Three were there. So, uh, you know, I, I I see that, and and to me, again, I'm old, but to me, mm-hmm. I sit there and I go, those people don't know basketball. Yep. You think you think walking to the NBA Finals is a joke that one player can do that? No. Mm-hmm. So when when you talk about the pieces, were there any other Hall of Famers on that team? No. Was LeBron the best player on that team? Yep, absolutely. But getting to the NBA Finals, even in the East at that time, which was considered a much weaker division or conference, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, it's still not a fluke. You still right. got to beat the Bulls. You got to beat the, the Magic. You got to beat the Warriors. I mean, not the Warriors. You got to beat everybody in the Eastern League, mm-hmm. uh, Western Conference or Eastern Conference. So uh, it's it's insulting, but I don't take it to heart because pe- people that think that don't know basketball. They, yeah. you, think, oh, LeBron just dragged this roster to the NBA Finals. And I think if you ask LeBron that question, honestly, he'd say, I couldn't have done it alone. Yeah. You know? And in four years in the league, which is what he was at the time, he wasn't ready to be the leader uh, that he is now or, or was later in his career. Um, and I don't know that that would have made a difference. We still mm-hmm. ran into the best team in the league at that point, which was the San Antonio Spurs, and they swept us as the I think we could have got a game or two had we switched up a few things, mm-hmm. but uh, you know we danced with who brung us and we stayed the same way and didn't make any alter- uh, alterations to to our game plan, uh, despite some of the coaching staff saying that was going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know the, they they beat us; <laughs> uh, they deserve the championship. Uh, but yeah, I mean, fifty five wins isn't a joke. We won fifty five games in the regular season that year, so. Uh, you know, oh, LeBron took this team. Well, Jordan never took a team without any other Hall of Famers on the, on the roster to the NBA Finals. Yeah. He didn't. That's a fact. 
he had Hall of Famers by his side every time he went to the NBA Finals. So let's stop talking about that in an insulting tone towards 14 other players on an NBA roster, which are at the time one of 450 in the world that are on an NBA roster at any given time, because that's yeah. all the players there are. So that's my take on that. No, that's, that's great, man. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's who else, who else is there to hear it from than someone else who's not only in the league at that time competing with you guys, but someone who's actually on that team. And unfortunately that's just how sports media goes now. Obviously oh, not. No. But it, us, and, and it's also <laughs> it's also history, you know. People sure. look back and they go, "Wilt Wilt never won championships. He won a couple, but he didn't win like Bill Russell won." Right. So they consider Bill Russell a better player, but I mean, he used to light up Bill Russell. And they say, "Oh, he was playing against garbage man." Okay, fine. Average fifty <laughs> for a year. Average fifty. Yeah. For a year in your kids' league, go play against ten-year-olds. Buddy, see I try. Fifty in that league. Yeah. As an it's adult, not easy. see if you can do that. Just do that. But then say, okay, yeah, he was playing against bums in the NBA. Uh, again, yeah. just history, and people forget, and that's fine. It happens. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, sometimes us old heads have to tell people the truth about how the, where the league was and, and why the league is as popular as it is today. It's not yeah. because of me. It's because of Wilt Chamberlain. It's because of uh, Bill Russell. It's because of Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. Uh, it was Magic is famous without Larry Bird. Is Larry Bird is famous without Magic Johnson and their historic rivalry? Maybe mm -hmm. not. And so we all know as NBA players, the connection that we have to each other and the history of the game. And uh, when you're in the league for a while, you get humbled or you get out of the league. Yep. There's only uh, five superstars in the whole league. Everyone yeah. else is a role player. Yeah. Everyone. And there's players that think they're superstars and they find themselves out of the league because they're very talented, but they don't realize they're, they're a role player until it's too late. And they find themselves out of the league. Everybody's a role player except that one best player on your team. Well, I think yeah. people also forget that the the year that you guys got there against the Spurs was you had taken down the Pistons in the conference finals. And the Pistons, number one, had already won a title just like just a couple seasons earlier. And they were in the conference finals. They were almost like um, they were like the Spurs of the East where they were just in title contention for six or seven years straight. So that alone, I thought was already like pretty impressive. Um, I bring that up because you have another relation to the Pistons from an adversarial stance uh, in 2004 <laughs> in the famous malice at the palace. I just want your general takeaway as someone who was there to see it firsthand, what was going through your head? Well, uh, again, rivalries, two teams that are familiar with each other. Uh, there was a lot of bad blood. Uh, we had gone to the Eastern conference finals with them in 05, or I'm sorry, the spring of 04 uh, as uh, with the Pacers. And, um, we had the best record in the league. We thought we were the best team in the league. I thought we were the best team in the league, and I thought we had a good chance of winning that year. And the, the Pistons ended up getting us. That didn't sit right with us because we felt we were the better team. So when we see them again, uh, the idea was to embarrass them, and that's what we were doing. Mm -hmm. We were embarrassing them on their home court. We were up huge. Game was over. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, what happened happened. I don't have to retell the story of what happened, but, you know <laughs> – if there's any fault to be had, and again, I, I think Rick Carlisle is an intelligent man. Uh, I think he's one of the smartest people I've ever been around. Uh, but I think in, in that situation, and, and again, it goes back to Rick was a coach in Detroit previously. So mm. there was bad blood just from him and the city and the franchise in, in, in Detroit. And so there was all kinds of reasons why we should have just kept on putting the gas 
uh, you know, our foot on the gas and our, you know, knees on their necks, whatever you want to say, and, and, and kill them, uh, metaphorically speaking. But the time was right for Coach Carlisle to pull the starters out of the game. We, the game was over. We had it in hand. And if he had done that, none of that happens. Mm. None, none of that happens. Ron Artest isn't in the game. Ben Wallace is probably going to get taken out of the game too because none of our starters are in. So then Ben Wallace is on the bench. And if there's John back and forth from opposite ends of, of the court, you know, from the bench, it's still not leading to anything. But yeah. when there's a physical altercation, a, a hard foul with a minute left and a blowout that the Pistons are embarrassed about, that there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of reasons that led up to why things boiled over there, and it could have been avoided. Wasn't one of the ugliest experiences I've ever been a part of. It was it was disgusting and. Yeah. You know, the worst part about it was people coming in out of the stands. And you don't know. I mean, the, the security was different back then. They didn't have metal detectors at the door. Yes. He didn't know if people had weapons with them. And uh, speaking of the haymakers, man, one guy came out of the stands and he got down to the floor and he looks up and I'm close to Jermaine O'Neal. And we're standing there and he he did the, which we all know as, as giants. Whoa they're way bigger in person because he had never stood next to him. And you could see that look in his eye. He was like, I've made a big mistake. And Jermaine does the, the Hulk punch and he slips on beer and misses the guy and just glances chin and hits him in the shoulder, knocks him right on his ass still. I mean, the guy still went right down But talk about a death blow. That's a six eleven, 275 pound man, full on punch. He hits him in the right place. That might be a dead person. And so mm-hmm. we, you know, there's a whole lot I could talk about that night. It was yeah. gross. Our radio guy had fractured vertebrae because oh, wow. Ron jumped over him. He landed on him and fractured vertebrae in his spot, in his neck and back. And, and nobody talked about know that. that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, that was our radio guy, Mark Boyle. He's a good friend of mine now. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there was a whole lot of things that, that I could go on and on and on about the stories. But it, it was an ugly experience. I hope it never happens again. Yeah, it, it was obviously crazy. I think one of the, not silver linings, but one of the, I guess, funny things that I could take from it is, I think it was when you had went on one of the recent podcasts and you guys got back to the locker room and, and Ron asked <laughs> yeah. if, if you guys thought you were going to get in trouble. Yeah, well, the, the, <laughs> the setup was we we get in the locker room and then there's still fighting between us. You know, there's players mm, yeah. arguing, there's coaches and players arguing. I mean, we're trying to get everybody on our team calmed down and our staff calmed down. Mm-hmm. And so finally that happens. Finally, it's like, all right, all right, all right, all right. So everybody calms down. And then Ronnie goes, y'all think we're going to get in trouble for this? Or y'all think we're going to get fined for this? Something like that. And we just died laughing. <laughs> you may not play basketball again. Yeah, you buddy. Like, we don't know, but and he didn't. He didn't play basketball again that year. Yeah. He was kicked out of the league for a year. Yeah. And, you know, couple other guys got suspended for most of the season sued and got back in um steven jackson right got a got a pretty hefty one uh, filed appeals to the to the decision uh but i'm pretty sure if i don't remember correctly ron ron didn't get back um that season yeah i want to say he got suspended close to 100 games as a result because that must have been the first time and maybe you said this but that must have been the first time that you guys played the pistons since that previous uh series right yeah yeah, because it was in and November. We were trying to beat the crap out of them. Yeah. <laughs> because it was payback for what they got. We felt like they got lucky 
Yeah. With one play, we had game five in the bag, and, and Reggie Miller goes to lay it up, and Tayshawn Prince made an incredible play. Yeah. Shot. Yeah. We go to game six, and it was there's a whole story there with Ron and, and Reggie uh, that I'm not going to get into, but mm-hmm. we, we felt like they got a gift, and, and we should have won that. So, yeah, we were trying to embarrass them on their home court, and that's what we were doing, and that's what led up to it. There was all kinds of factors that led up to our frustration with them and their frustration with us. Yeah. Because, uh, shoot, we did. We came back in and we embarrassed the hell out of them on their own court. Yeah. The returning NBA champions. No, that's a good point about um, kind of like just the logistics of who was even on the court at the end of the game because it, it wasn't nationally televised. I, I thought about this too. Obviously, if it was a local game, it, it would still get out there. That's on film. But the fact that it was, I think it was on ESPN. Um, yeah, just, just watching that towards the end, like none of this makes any freaking sense like literally a minute left you guys are up 30 or something but that that's that's an interesting insight to hear what kind of led to it and then like you said you don't need to go through the play-by-play of everything that happened but another interesting experience on your resume i guess you can <laughs> you can chop chalk it up to i've been part of some of the biggest fights whether the kings and lakers one yep. uh, i don't want to talk about it if you want yep. to but i mean you know i've been part of some of the biggest fights in, in recent nba history yeah uh all that happens is people spend money for their ego. Mm-hmm. Yep. I didn't go buy a cot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the bright side, Scott. All that led you on a path to 2008 with our Boston Celtics in a championship ring. That's right. Can't complain. Um, I, I know we're coming up on time. And I want to respect your time, obviously, but I, I kind of just want to jump to this real quick because this is probably the most interesting part. We, we do a lot of work with, uh, with Scott Rochelle, who's the president of the NBA Retired Players Association. We talk a lot about some guy, you know, kind of what people are doing after basketball that you really wouldn't, A, know of, and B, really think of. So I know you're, uh, you know, you're, you're involved in real estate now from what I've seen online. What, what's, I guess, a two-part question. What's life been like after basketball? And, and when did that when did those thoughts kind of start? You know what I mean? Like when did you start kind of really planning, you know, life after? Well, you, you uh, if you're smart as a professional athlete, you're always planning for the end mm-hmm. because you never know when it's going to be. It could be tomorrow. And mm-hmm. so my whole career, I was planning on, okay, this contract might be my last one. And if it is, what am I going to do? Yeah. Uh, that's why I was into commentating quite a bit when I was playing, when I would get injured or whatever. Some of the teams let me commentate while I was injured, sitting on the bench, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that would be something that I would get into. And then I retired and I got into it a little bit. And um, the, the problem with it is that NBA schedule. And I, yeah. uh, when I was done playing, I was like, I don't need to be on this NBA schedule anymore. And I don't want to be on this NBA schedule anymore. So that's kind of where commentating and I still do it on occasion, but that's where commentating kind of came to a halt for me Okay. because I love my family. I love my kids and I want to be around them. I was around yeah. I was gone when I was making millions of dollars, but hmm, commentating doesn't quite pay that unless you're Shaq and Charles, but uh, <laughs> I'm not. Right. So eh, it uh, might not be a bad thing, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, their kids are older too. And you know, yeah. I got young ones. So, so right. um, I, didn't have to do anything. Um, and so just kind of spent time with my family, traveled a bit. Uh, my first marriage came to an end in 2011 and that changed things, of course, financially and, and, uh, everything. And, uh, then I've done some movies. I've been in a couple small movies. Uh, uh, that was fun, but I live in the wrong place. I don't live in LA. And so being a, mm. a character like me, I'm not going to be a mainstream character. I'm too tall. They can't fit me and the little actresses in the same scene. 
you know, I'm always going to be the big mean guy that's just the solo guy that comes in. You know, can I ask time. what you've been in? Uh, they're actually they just recut one uh, called the Axe Man at Cutters Creek, and it's going to get re-released nice. I think this weekend. Oh hell yeah! Uh, and it, it was never in theaters, but that one was fun. It was very cathartic. It, I filmed it right after my first marriage was over, so I kill you know a bunch of people. It felt nice. good. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, wait. Uh, do you know who Jason Momoa is? Yeah. Yeah, if, if if there's ever a biography about him, I think you got the job. Yeah, yeah. Except he's younger than me. So. That's a compliment. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, Aquaman three. If you ever I'll like, bails out. My hair out. <laughs> yeah, just wear a wig and you're good. You or Stephen Adams will have to fight for that job. Actually, it'll That'll hurt be me because Stephen Adams got that that tattoo already down his arm, so that helps for him. He's but, he's thinking life after basketball. Yeah. To your point. Yeah. Smart but player. no, I just and so I should have done real estate a long time ago. Is what I'm getting mm-hmm. at. I did Survivor yeah. and I did TV and movies and stuff. And I just, you know, again, I don't live in the right place for that to be a career. So I should have done real estate a long time ago. I love it. I have, yeah. I'm a multi-million dollar producer out here, so we're doing great. Um, we had a great year last year, despite all the the craziness of the year. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a great job and, and as the, the trite saying goes if you have a job you love you never work a day in your life and so um i'm really enjoying real estate and you know who knows what will come up next somebody will probably offer a commentating job tomorrow and I'll great take it. <laughs> Con- yeah congratulations on the on the success in real estate that's great last qu- super quick question so going back to commenting did you ever work with tommy heinson when you were doing games in boston oh well, um I think one game they let me sit in the, them with them. Yeah. Um, so. Great, man. I miss him. He, he was yeah. a great dude. No, uh, he's the man. I, I miss him a lot. But no, I, I I think they let me sit in with him one time when I was hurt. Doc, okay. go up and do a game with him, but <laughs> not, not a lot. Yeah. Uh, we, we ask every every guest who at, we have who has any relation with the Celtics, do you have any good Tommy stories, even from a player's perspective? Anything worth sharing with our audience? Didn't spend enough time with him. Yeah. His health was getting bad even back then. And I know. That's crazy, huh? Yeah, he'd come in. Ten years ago. Leave, so I didn't really get a whole lot of time around him. No worries. Interesting interesting fellow, to say the least. Yeah. RIP. Go ahead, Soap. I'll let you wrap us up and let Scott get out of here. Yeah, Scott, this is the last one for me. So you played in um, the the main places that um, I think people will remember. Sacramento, Rockets Crowd, Arco Arena. I think that mm-hmm. was for a while, like the best arena in the NBA. Uh, you could probably attest to that. You also played in Indiana, which is the Hoosier state. So they fucking love basketball. And you played in the garden where the Celtics have won 17 titles. You also played in Cleveland where they put spaghetti on their chili. Apparently is what I heard. <laughs> what was your favorite city to play in? Um, I, I have to say Sacramento, but uh, I will quantify it with the fact that it was during the early part of my career when I was young, I was healthy. Uh, I was there for the longest part of my career. Five seasons is a long time with one team. And I felt like I was part of the nucleus of that team and the franchise. And so, uh, you know, I was more of a producer on the court and off the court. And so when when it's that, as opposed to being a role player in Cleveland uh, or a role player in in Indiana or a role player in Boston that gets career-ending surgery in February of the year that you win a championship, um, you know, (laughs) it's a little different. But – all those arenas are, are great. Uh, I don't know that I've ever heard an NBA arena as loud as when I heard Larry Bird walk into the garden one time as a pacer. Uh, <laughs> we were there playing and all of a sudden the place just erupts 
Larry, Larry, because he had just walked in and he didn't like to go and make a spectacle of himself, but he was the GM of, of us at the time. And yeah, and it, it was crazy. And so when I went back and played in, in Boston, it was great to be out there and, and be on that floor as a, as a, as a Celtic. I, I will say this. I, I think it's pretty nuts. The experience at Arco, even on TV, hearing those fucking cowbells, like you don't hear that at in any other arena. So that nuts. that must have been insane to play in, especially in the playoffs. It was the loudest place I ever played in, yeah. in the NBA. Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas is the loudest uh, indoor yeah. in the world. Actually, that's a fact. It's Guinness World Record holder. Mm. Uh, but uh, Arco Arena was by far the loudest. Utah would get loud uh, on occasion when they were good. We, when I first got over there to Sacramento, and we, we yeah. played against them. They were still good. Carl Malone and, and John Stockton were still on that team. Uh, and they'd get pretty loud. But uh, – Arco was special, man, and, and uh, don't mess with those fans because they'll go at you all game, all yeah. game. Like Phil Jackson told said it was a cow town. That's where the cowbells came from. Okay, he calls <laughs> yeah. cowbell. Okay, cowbell in your ear for the entire game, and he tried. That's to how that originated. Talk. Can't do anything. That's what. That's what it was. Oh, I didn't he know that either. I didn't know that cow town. And so that was. What they were like, oh really? Oh, okay, <laughs> cowbells in his ear the entire game, right behind. Yeah. The bench. These nice. are people are paying thousands of dollars for their tickets right behind the Lakers bench. And they're yep. waving cowbells in his ear the entire game. <laughs> let up, not one. That's bit. great. Hilarious. You guys had such like fun guys on the team between you, obviously C Webb and um, J Will. But I, I was just thinking, was Nick Anderson on the team when you were there? Yeah. Yep. Nick Anderson, Bobby Jackson, like the ultimate spark plug. Doug Christie. Mm -hmm. So just a lot of like fun time. So many good memories of just watching the NBA back in those days. And we had John Barry coming off the bench. We had Big yep. Nasty, Corliss Williamson, uh, Lawrence Funderburg coming yep. off the bench. Damn, um, what a team. Was Hedo there yet? Turkaloo? Yeah, Hedo, Turkaloo, Circus Michael Jordan. Yeah, we called him TMJ. <laughs> he had his own play. He had his own play. We called it TMJ. Nobody knew what it was. We'd come mm -hmm. down the court and be like, TMJ. Oh, all right. <laughs> but the Hedo. Um, yeah, there was a cast of characters in and out of there. It was great. We had yeah. a blast. And, and everybody that came in just happened to be the right fit. I mean, shit, mm -hmm. I played with Vernon Maxwell out there. Not yeah. Max. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he was – he's one of a kind. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, a uh, lot of good memories of a lot of good players out there. The, yeah. The image of uh, Doug Christie and I think Rick Fox fighting, I'm assuming that's the one that you were alluding to earlier, just popped in my head. That was at Staples Center, though, right? Yeah, that was in L.A. That was crazy. I remember that one spilled into like the uh, the tunnel going into the locker room and shit. That just looked nuts because I think Shaq wasn't even playing. Yeah, he went out their exit and we went out our exit and they met in the tunnel because Doug was getting ejected or whatever. And so it spilled into the to the tunnel and Shaq came all the way around actually to our side. And uh, Jackie Christie, Doug's wife, was hitting him with a purse, uh, with her purse. It, sure, it just standard. Yeah, yeah. Right at the office. Yep. Good stuff. Um, all right, man, we'll let you get out of here. Before we do, Scott, where's the best place for people to, uh, to find you online and, and keep following you? Uh, well, I'm Scott P31, one T, S-C-O-T-P-3-1 on Instagram. And on uh, Twitter, I'm Scott Pollard, 31. Uh, Great stuff. And, I mean, you can follow me on Facebook. It's kind of mostly real estate stuff. But, uh, you know. Yeah, if, we, if any of our listeners have uh, some real estate needs in Indiana, right? Yep, Indiana. Go to westclayrealtors.com or just follow me on one of those two and I can I can get you to Westclay Realty. You get Westclay Realty on uh, Instagram. We have an Instagram page and a Twitter page. House We're still working on the promo codes if, for anyone asking. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Sounds good, man. Appreciate your time. That was a lot of fun. And uh, thanks for stopping by with us. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Scott. Scott.